This episode is brought to you by Jewish Workshops, your home for interactive Jewish content and online community where you can join your favorite lecturers and mentors and receive guidance to help you grow and transcend the challenges of daily life. Join me for a free live Jewish Money Makeover webinar hosted by Jewish Workshops this Wednesday, August 3rd at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mark your calendars, bring your questions, and let me help you do a money makeover, a Jewish money makeover. You don't want to miss this. Register for free at yaeltrosh.com forward slash JW. That's yaeltrush.com forward slash JW to join me at the Jewish Money Makeover live webinar. Jewish Money Matters episode 268, how to manage our time and mental clutter so we can better deal with our money with productivity coach Avi Friedman. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Do you struggle with time management, productivity, mental clutter? Come on, don't we all on some level? You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Today's episode is all about productivity and time management. Maybe this is a selfish episode. Maybe I'm bringing on my guest, Abby Friedman, because I need to have this conversation. But I suspect that I'm not alone, actually, on this. And believe me, you will learn a ton here from Avi. Avi is a productivity coach, helping small business owners navigate the overwhelm of life, both personally and professionally. While Avi considered himself naturally organized, he hit a point in his life where something needed to change. And out of that personal change, well, a new career was born. Avi and I talk about mental clutter, how to prioritize systems, the struggle female business owners face when it comes to productivity and much more. Avi even gives us two simple tips we can all implement today, no matter how busy we are, which can cause a massive shift. And I know because I'm already implementing them. Here's Avi Friedman. Avi Friedman, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. It's good to have you. How are you? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. You're a productivity coach. I mean, we're going to talk all about productivity, time management, music to my ears. <laughs> Actually, I, I I geek out on this stuff. Um, I want to start with your journey because you say that you thought of yourself as a naturally organized person, and yet you found yourself at a certain point drowning in overwhelm, which which then led you to this career path. Now you work with small business owners, helping them manage the overwhelm, right? And the mental clutter and all that. So I want to hear about what happened because I'll tell you, I can relate to a lot of what of that. I definitely fall into the category of those who think they are naturally organized. And I often say to myself, mm, maybe I'm not so organized. Maybe I'm delusional. So what was your journey? What happened there? Sure. So it really happened a couple of years back when, again, as you're saying, as a kid and as a young adult, I considered myself pretty organized, always had my things put together. I was very caught up on my schoolwork, etc. When I got married and I was exploring careers, that's really when it hit me the importance of actually being productive and really juggling all of life's responsibilities appropriately. Mm -hmm. The breaking point for me, which led me to this journey was um, a couple of years back when I was working a nine to five job, had an hour commute each way. 
at the time, I had two young kids at home and my wife, and um, I was trying to go for a second degree in graduate school, as well as build a side business. So doing all those at once was extremely exhausting. And where I found myself drowning in so many different parts of it, I was always having late assignments because I just couldn't keep up with my time and being able to manage things in the deadlines, having late payments on credit cards purely because I just lost track of when each payment was due. And then calling the companies, taking 20, 30 minutes and trying to ask them to forgive those late payments and waive the fees. And it really hit me that unless I get something in control and to be able to get myself productive, I'm going to just completely fall apart. Mm -hmm. And I decided I saw an ad on Facebook for one of these programs to get organized. And I really dove into multiple courses, multiple trainings, many books that I read, podcasts I listened to, to really learn the tools and tricks that as busy people, we all are, that we really need to get us to the next level and feel to not just survive with all the the life curveballs, but to really take them and use them to thrive Mm -hmm. in all the different endeavors we want to. Once I had that, I realized I had this ability to go from my desperation point to where I can really work around the life circumstances and help people that are going through similar things. Does it all boil down to systems? So a lot of it is systems, and it's not just the system itself, but really understanding the concepts behind the systems, Mm -hmm. the concepts of why we're overwhelmed, the concepts of why things we lose track of, and where to put everything. So the majority is systems-based, but it's also understanding why we procrastinate. It could be multiple reasons why we procrastinate, and we need that self-awareness as well to be able to get us to that point of knowing why we're procrastinating, why we're delaying things and to push ourselves with our mindset into taking action. Hmm. It's so interesting to hear you say that because it sounds like a lot of the work that I do with my students, right? It's not just the mindset and emotional work, but it's also the systems and they go hand in hand. You can't, we can't just build the system and assume that you're going to execute on the system and you're going to implement right. the system if you haven't worked on your, and the emotions and the, and the mindset behind those emotions. So, so interesting, but, but let's talk about the mental clutter though, because (laughs) systems are not the truth is, um, even the most organized of us are struggling with tremendous amount of mental clutter. What are some of the strategies, Avi, that can help us here? So the biggest challenge that we have is because we have so many responsibilities in our lives. We have familial responsibilities, communal responsibilities, professional responsibilities, all these different things that we're trying to track and process simultaneously, um, whether they're big or small, it could be a life goal. It could be a three minute task that we have at home that we're really trying to understand and process how we should be doing it. The Mm -hmm. biggest, most important method that I've learned from David Allen and GTD was when we have that overwhelm, a lot of times what happens is that our mind is unprocessed with what needs to get done how it needs to get done and by whom it needs to get done, right? So by emptying our minds, that doesn't mean just forgetting everything, obviously, there's a lot more to it, but really just having everything written down, um, just writing it all down on a list. So doing what they call a mind sweep, where you really just write down every single thing that comes to your mind um, and writing it on on a piece of paper and afterwards processing it in a way, which I do with my clients, in a way where I know exactly what to do with the, the different tasks and the projects and the goals and knowing that everything is processed gives you that sense of calm and ease and clears out your mental clutter. 
Hmm. Yeah, I could totally relate. I recently went through an exercise with my team members where, you know, we use Airtable to communicate and plan our projects. Um, I know a lot of people use Asana. I, I use Airtable. And we went through a process of mapping out projects and laying out tasks and subtasks and who's responsible for when. And it was just so freeing once I had it all. And as I'm going yeah. through the process of a particular project we're working on now, just being able to see that who's who's doing what and what's got getting done and what's not, it, it actually definitely has reduced my mental clutter because it used to be like, I was remembering all the time. Oh, I have to tell her to do this. I have to do that. It's like, and now it's like, it's all on paper. Of course, we're always right. tweaking, right? There's new things that I'm adding all the time, but it definitely is freeing. Right. Like even just one example that I just had was I had a, a small concern with a, uh, um, whether one of my children needed speech therapy. There's some like a little concern with that. And I knew that I was going to be speaking to the pediatrician. We have our annual appointments in June. Um, and that's when I speak to the pediatrician and ask their advice on different things. So I processed that note of asking the pediatrician about the speech therapy impediment or p- possibly in- impediment. And I put it in a June folder and I didn't need to think about it. Anytime that that thought came to my mind, whenever I heard her say certain letters, whatever it was, it didn't bother me that, oh, shoot, I need to get it checked out. Because I knew exactly when it was going to get done, by whom it was going to get done. It was very organized and clear of exactly when that's going to happen. So that clears my head of even the worrying about it. Um, Because it really turns all those different problems we have into projects and knowing when we have those projects to address. And other times it's not within our capacity to, to work on them. That clears us of that worry. Yeah, love that example. So so true. Now, it it does bring me to a question on priorities because you did mention, you know, you mentioned the word life goal, so I thought about it. Um I, I find that I might say something is my priority for today and it might have been in my June folder for, you know, June 24th. And it's right there. It's been scheduled for months. And this is my day that I'm going to, I don't know, write or come up with a new, I don't know what, whatever it is. Right. Right. And then something happens. Either my team is doing something much slower than they was supposed and it wasn't delivered on time. So now I'm like trying to walk them through it or inquiring about it, or a kid needs something, got sick or needs something delivered in school, or I realize what I thought I had for dinner. I don't actually don't have. You see where I'm going with this? So all of a Absolutely. sudden, what I thought was my top priority for that day really became my last priority because something else very quickly moved up to the list. How do we deal with this? And I mean, is this common? It can't be just Absolutely. me. <laughs> Absolutely. So I would, I would address that from the longer term perspective and then the short term perspective. So when it comes to a longer term, we're really mapping out our schedules and our calendars for, let's say, the next couple of weeks, couple of months, et cetera. Um, one of the principles that I use with my clients is to only put something on your calendar that's either an appointment or, or a meeting, et cetera or something that must get done by that day. If there's a specific deadline for that thing, um, it's the last possible moment when I need to do that task. Or if someone says, you know what, I need you to call me next Thursday, putting that phone call on your list of to-dos is something that's crucial for that time specific. So it's either day specific or time of day specific. Mm -hmm. Everything else seems, if it doesn't need to be done that day, I wouldn't put it on a calendar, rather, be reviewing it weekly and making sure that, okay, trying to find space within my week, I know I have three weeks to, to finish this essay, or I know I have 
a month to work out a new insurance plan, whatever exactly we're working on, then working on that weekly versus waiting to the last minute and saying, today is the day I finally need to get it done. It helps ease that, that overload as well. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the short term, so let's say we try to plan our days in advance, right? We try to the night before or early morning say, you know what, I, this is what I need to do. Um, these are the things that I, my top tasks for the day, I want to get X, Y, and Z done. So within that, I would, again, give the same advice by keeping what are the most important tasks that need to get done today um, out of my top three tasks and it, out of those top three, what's the one thing that I will um, be upset about if I didn't accomplish and I would be really excited about at the end of the day knowing that at least this task was accomplished and making sure to prioritize that at a certain point during the day. Again, curveballs happen, life happens. Um, that's definitely part of life. But if we find ourselves constantly having these curveballs and completely unexpected um, things throwing us off, then we need to really assess and say, am I really positioned in a way to actually succeed with that task or to actually succeed with the times I'm giving myself for that task or that project? Yeah, so true. So very often we underestimate, I know I'm guilty of this, how long something is going to take, right? And Mm -hmm. um, then of course, I'm very pressed for time. And I feel like I don't even have time to breathe. But it's because I haven't given myself enough wiggle room. It's not realistic. Right. And I think also what what oftentimes happens is, let's say there's a project that's, that's, it would take to from start to completion or from where you are to completion would take about three to four hours. If I would ask you, y'all, like, do you have three to four hours today to actually get this thing done? Chances are no one really has a a full time block available um, at any given day to really get this done. Again, there are certain crunch times, et cetera. But in a general day, we don't generally have those big accessible time blocks. So taking those bigger projects and breaking it down into the minimal tasks that we have, let's say, for example, is this something in order to start the project, I need to quickly make three phone calls to get an assessment of what what direction I want to do with this project? Or do I need to, um, I want to build a bookcase, um, but I don't have a measuring tape. The first step would be take put on an errands list of go buy a measuring tape or go borrow a measuring tape for this project. And then by taking it into bite-sized steps and if there are anything, decisions need to be made, um, who's going to do it if there's a discussion with a spouse by me speaking to my wife and saying, when would be a good time to do this? Um, does it need to be done in this manner? Can we do it in another way? Um, do, is it an email I need to quickly write? Things like that by breaking it down into all the steps. Um, I actually heard from a mentor of mine, Eric Perry, um, who talks about it looking like a Pez dispenser where you have like all the steps lined out and then you, you take one step um, you do that little step of the project and then you go to the next step of the project. And that way you get to the final completion of the project all in bite-sized steps. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. Um, as you're saying, I'm like, hmm, do I do that? Do I like, I I'm thinking is if my editor listens to this, is she going to be thinking like, no, you're always late handing your column lady. <laughs> <laughs> and I always try to be on time. And I open that blank page and I jot ideas and then I sit with it. And then I go back to it two days later and I'm like, Oh shoot, it's today. And I still didn't write my thousand words. Um, right. But no, 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 no. I, I like it. Um, in terms of, you work primarily with small business owners. 
I would qualify, you would probably qualify, right? What is what is the most common challenge that you're seeing? Is there one particular thing that you're seeing over and over again? So the most common challenge that I see, again, as a small business owner myself, as well as um, other small business owners I work with, is when they're at that stage of they're too small in their business to have systems in place and to delegate it to multiple assistants or multiple members of their staff. Um, and yet they're big enough that there's a lot of different tasks and projects that need to get done to bring their, their business and to scale it to the next level. So oftentimes there's just a tremendous amount of different types of tasks and different projects that need to happen. Um, they're the marketing person, they're the, the supplier, they're the, uh, the consultant, all of those in one. And often with the small business owners at the stage that I work with, um, they're really wearing so many hats and being able to juggle the, the the current clients that they have to juggle prospecting new clients or new customers, um, all those things together, as well as spending time in doing accounting and marketing and um, also in terms of business development. Do I really have time to sit down and think about and strategize right. how I can scale this business? When I'm just so swamped with just taking care of the current customers that I have, it's very overwhelming to really um, deal with all those simultaneously. Yeah, no, you're speaking to that real challenge of working on the business versus working in the business, right? Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a big one. Now, I want to know what you're seeing in terms of from your perspective, Avi. Um, do you think the struggle with productivity and time management is greater in female business owners than in men business owners? And I'll tell you why I asked this question in a minute. So I would say that um, from a perspective of male versus female, I think that the female business owners seemed more overwhelmed when I work with them because there's also the additional component of taking care of the family, make sure the family is um all well taken care of, all the kids have their things taken care of as well. The house is put together in addition to running a business and dealing with all that overwhelm. So I think that combination, which is more primarily um, in our demographic, is more female focused, where most of the women are the ones that are helping the kids with all the different challenges and struggles they have, all the projects that need to be done around the house. Again, men will chip in as well. And of course, every family is different than that. Um, but I find that trying to juggle business time, especially with business development, when you're um, also working on your, your house and your family, um, I find more overwhelmed with the female population. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you recognize because there, there has been a lot written about this. I don't know if you're familiar with Eve Rodsky's work. She's written fabulous books on this. And, mm -hmm. and the fact that women do carry a lot of that mental burden. And also we see that there's just something in, in culturally, like by default, um, you know, like the, the mother or the wife, the mother is kind of like by default, the one that school's going to call when, you know, they need a form sign that they couldn't right. find a registration thing, or the doctor's going to call, call for something, or she has to call a babysitter, or she has to arrange a play date. Um, so it adds to a lot. And a lot of what Eve proposes in her work is that there seems to be this sense where like, men's time and women's time are not valued equally, which when I read it was like, so eye opening, like, holy moly, like, yeah, there is something to that. Like, how come, how come right. your husband's time is more precious 
and he doesn't have to cancel meetings and the wife has to juggle her meeting and her client and her writing that she needs to hand in for it or right. whatever it might be. Right. So we've had a lot of the, those conversations at home. I'm thankfully I have a super helpful hands-on husband and we, you know, we work a lot on this equity pretty smoothly, but it can mm-hmm. be really challenging. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's funny because in my family, a lot of those follow-ups and things like that, I will personally take care of because I enjoy it. I also, I do this all the time. It's something that I really enjoy. And I find that I'm able to succeed in um, that. I take the charge and I be the initiative to really jump into those kinds of tasks. Um, it definitely is a challenge that again, how the demographics are the way they are and as time evolved and, husbands being more hands-on is definitely a topic in of itself in terms of why that is and what we should do about it if we should do something about it. Um, But in terms of definitely for female business owners or other female professionals that are working full-time, they're really working hard and there's so much going on both professionally and personally, um, more than a husband is generally balancing from a quantity perspective. Um, It definitely seems that it's a, a big challenge that I help my clients with in terms yeah. of juggling and trying to prioritize uh, personal, pro- make a separate list for personal projects and professional projects and be able to um, give next action lists based on their specific requirements uh, to help them succeed both personally and professionally. Yeah. And this, what you just said about the way you manage it at home. And I mentioned how I manage it in my family and something you said earlier um reminded me about this idea that I also share with my students. You may have, you may have heard me even speak about this, about the money date, right? Having times where we actually, oh yeah. Cause you were talking about putting it on the calendar and I don't have to think about it. Right. right. Till, till, you know, it's there, it's in the June folder. Like you said, I don't have to think about it till then. So the idea behind the money date it's not just about communicating and agreeing who's doing what and, you know, making sure things are not falling through the crack, but there's also this concept where we don't have to worry about it. It just goes in the agenda for the next money date. And I find that it reduces a lot of these fires and emergencies. Like I was describing before, like, you know, I have to drop the ball and go pick up my kid when I had something else planned. Right. I find that when we regularly have these scheduled times to talk about our money, Now we're so on top of what's going on that a lot of these emergencies that tend to happen all the time happen less frequently. And we start realizing that most things are not real emergencies. They can wait till Sunday's money date. Right, right. Absolutely. And and similarly, I have a a to-do list. I have different to-do lists for different contexts. Um, I have a discuss with my spouse to-do list. All the things that come to my mind that I want to in the evening when we're both home and we're... Um, we're just schmoozing. And you know what, this thing was on my mind, I wanted to ask my wife, um, what's happening with this specific uh, appointment, or um, I want to know where we'd like to go next year on vacation or things like that. To be able to have that discussion um, task list of it doesn't have to be like a checkoff, like, you know, like, check, I asked my wife about this check, I need to ask my wife about that or my husband about that. It's more the concept of um, if I have a place where I keep all these discussions and that could be with coworkers, that can be with employees, that can be with managers, mm-hmm. um, having separate areas where we say that way, the, the things that we want to discuss don't fall through the cracks when it's not front of mind when we are with them. Right, right. And, and also not only do they not fall through the cracks, but 
we now can address it at a time that is more appropriate, right? Exactly. We, we don't have to act impulsively. And just because it came to mind now when you're rushing to a meeting, um, it's not the time to ask you where we're going for vacation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Avi, um, switching gears to, I guess, to money, since we've, we've already touched up on it a little bit, but you know, you did mention like late payments on the credit card and all that. Um, I find, and I wonder if you agree with me that, you know, very often we think money management and personal finance is super complex. And I say it really isn't. It's 80% organization and 20% strategy. You know, like really a lot of it is really just being organized and, we tend to be pretty disorganized. Now, of course, like we mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, a lot of that has to do, why are we disorganized? Well, because we have an emotional issue with money coming from, you know, right. all sorts of things and we have to deal with that. But really, um, it's, it's not a whole lot of strategy and complexity. A lot of, a lot, most things can, can, can work themselves out smoothly and, 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 and to our benefit if we are more organized. Do you find that that is, that is the case for you in your life? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So when it comes to me personally, right. So a lot of it is we're trying to, let's say, make a budget or trying to track expenses. Um, It really comes down to pretty systematic steps. Like how do you check, how do you create a budget? So you go through a checklist of how much we spent in the last month or the last week, depending on how frequent you do these budget meetings uh, or money dates, as you said, Um, it could be um, just really making even a checklist. Okay. And this account, this credit card, um, how many credit cards do we have? Making a list of all the credit cards. What are the balances on them? Um, when are the, the due payments? What's the username and password? Even having something as simple as that will make it a smoother process to be able to, a lot of the hurdles that hold us back is like, I have so many different parts I need to work on that I just lose track of all the different, um, all different areas where I have expenses and all different statements I have. Um, a lot of it stems from you're right. There's a lack of organizing, not knowing how to access it when I need to access it. And when you just have one big um, project called make a budget or follow up with a budget, it's a very overwhelming thing because it's not going to take five, 10 minutes to really process through that. So by making it more manageable steps, like I, for example, uh, when we do budget meetings together, my wife and I, I try in advance before we even sit down, I try to crunch numbers, specific numbers on, um, we use a, the app every dollar to really just track what our expenses we had, um, to really categorize the expenses. And that will just make it a smoother, um, a smoother meeting when we get mm-hmm. together and sit together as a team and discuss how much we spent, how much we want to spend in the future. What are we saving for? What are we paying off, et cetera? Then that helps in the process of taking from one big project of budget which is a scary word for a lot of people and yeah. the hesitations from starting to begin with and breaking down. No, it's not a, a budget. It's I need to do X, Y, and Z. And then at the end of Z, my budget will be done. Before we go on with this amazing interview, let me introduce you to a podcast that I think you might enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Hanala from the Weekly Squeeze. When I am not making music and busy being a super mom to my Israeli kids, I am diving deep into Jewish pop culture. If it's happening in the Jewish world, you're going to hear about it here first. From Israel to Brooklyn and everywhere in between, I will keep you updated on all the comings and goings of Jewish celebs 
while I share insider information about what's going on in the professional lives of all the movers and shakers that keep the Jewish entertainment world turning around. Heavy on humor, light on sarcasm, always interesting. The Weekly Squeeze is served fresh twice a week. Yes, absolutely. I have to ask you, you did mention every dollar and we've been talking about productivity and I mentioned Airtable. Any favorite productivity tools that we should be considering? The, the, the ones that you're like, you know, I know some people are so into Asana. Like, what are your favorites or your so, favorites? So it's funny because people ask me all the time, like, what tools do you recommend for different things? And often I tell them I don't have specific recommendations because a lot of it is the principles behind it. Yeah. Meaning that I really try to encourage people to understand the system first. And then when you have the system down pat, then you can find what app or what methodology works best for you. Mm. Um, some people like pen and paper. Some people like simple, basic Excel spreadsheets. Some people like complicated apps. So it's really, um, I mean, again, I personally use um, Asana for, for my work and my projects, but it's not because Asana is the productivity app that's going to solve all your issues. It's rather because I understand the system and then based on my system, this app best suits my needs. Right. Yeah. And uh, as they say, what's the best one? It's the one that you will actually use, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> People often ask me the same thing about budgets and things like that. Listen, it's, it's, it's the, actually the one that you're going to use. <laughs> That's 100%. the bottom line. Um, you mentioned about um, budget meetings and things like that. Any other financial habits um, that you, Avi, practice regularly that you feel really have a big impact um, on your financial life? Um, I think being conscious of of what we're spending and how we're spending it and avoiding impulse purchases. Uh, I remember um, Dr. Lieberman, Dr. David Lieberman talks about, I forgot where he talked about it, but he, he mentioned in the context of, of when you, let's say, write an email, you're angry at someone or making a phone call. If you wait 24 hours and you see how will I feel in 24 hours from now, um, knowing that I sent this email or I said this phrase, et cetera. So I think he called it the 24 hour principle or, or some rule like that. So I think yeah. similarly, um, and again, when you're making an impulse purchase or you're trying to decide, do I need this? Do I not need this? Really deciding, will I be happy in a day from now or even leaving it in a, in a shopping cart for a day and seeing, do I really need this? Or is there a way that I could make what I currently have work? Um, or is it something that I can wait until there's a better time to purchase it, have that discussion with a spouse first before even purchasing it. Um, all those open communication components uh, are really beneficial for not just um, contemplating how much money we have and conserve. It's really more about conserving money and being able to prosper within that. Yeah. And making sure that we're actually utilizing in the way that we really deep down inside want, right? And it's not an impulse, but like, exactly. does this really align with my bigger goals that I really, um, if I don't accomplish, I will, you know, I wouldn't feel like I'm doing much with my life. I mean, those, it's, it's important. Yes. Right. I, and I definitely do leave things in the cart. And most often I don't go back to them. Huh. Look at right. that. And similarly, when we're looking, so I get a lot of book recommendations and I look for a lot of books. Do I really need to buy every single book that's a like a recommended reading? There are some that I can see that this is going to be key for success. Like certain my go-to books, but 
a lot of the books that I get recommended, um, I'll enjoy reading them. They're going to give me insights and keys into that specific topic in that specific area. But it doesn't mean I need to spend $15, 20 $25 every single time that someone recommends a book. Yeah. So you know what my hack is? I actually try to get most of my books from the library. You'll be surprised. Yeah. The library has pretty current books. Yes, <laughs> and absolutely. if it's one of those books that it's so life-changing that I want it in my bookcase, then I'll invest in it. But most often I actually, I'll put it in my Amazon card and then I'll double check. If it's in the library, then I'll just get it right away. Um, and most often I don't end up buying it. Um, right. So yeah. Um, all right. I wanted to ask you also, what is one thing that we business owners can implement today when this episode ends, we stop finishing this, uh, we finished listening to this conversation. Um, and something that, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not going to require a whole lot of big change, but it's implementable. We can implement and see big wins. What would you say is like one thing? Absolutely. So I'll give you two, um, mm-hmm. two things that really stick out to me. The first one is, um, again, David Allen has the two minute rule. And the okay. two-minute rule really is anytime there's a task that will take two minutes or less, don't put it on a to-do list. And, and you can do it right now. Don't put it on a to-do list. Just do it. If there is a light bulb that needs replacing and you're walking by and you have the light bulb in your closet, you can easily just replace it. Just do it. If there's an email you need to write to a, a vendor or a client, and again, you're avoiding it because you just don't want to do it. By putting on a to-do list, you're enabling yourself to procrastinate and say, I'll get to it at some point. When in reality, just getting it off your head, it reduces that cognitive overload to be able to just, okay, that's something, that quick phone call, that quick email. Um, If I have something, I'm going to one store and right next door, there's um, another item that I need on my list. Just two minutes, run to the store, get it and be done with it. So that's definitely the 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 main key that I, I recommend um, an additional key that I, I utilize is um, dividing our next action list or like to do list by context, which mm-hmm. means trying to group all of, when you get a, a to do list and you have 45 things on a to do list or 30 <laughs> things on a to do list. How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> they all get swallowed up together um, in a way where it's just like you just glance through it, become numb to everything on your list and then end up procrastinating and doing something else. By dividing it by context, and the context could be uh, phone calls you need to do, things that you need to research on a computer or to write up on a computer. Um, writing a column could be one of those as well, if it's 10 minutes or less, um, or a discussion with a spouse or an errand you need to get or something that needs to be done at home that needs to be specifically at home, like changing an air filter or changing a light bulb or looking to see if I have this book I need to return to the library. All those things, if you divide it by the context, then you know that when you're looking at your to-do list, these are all the things that I could do and therefore they're front of mind. And the other things that I'm not in that context are not bothering me. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not worrying. They're not making me worry um, about not getting them done because it's not the appropriate context to do it. Wow. I never thought of those. Those are great tips. Never thought of those. I'm going to definitely put them into practice. The two minute rule and putting my dividing my to-do list in by context. I love that. All right, Avi, let's wrap it up with what I like to call Jewish money matters fill in the blanks. And this is where I'm going to give you an open-ended sentence and you'll finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Don't overthink sure. it. Okay. All right. The first one is when I give Miser or Tzedakah, I like to give to. 
So I like to give it to local organizations, local mm. schools and institutions uh, to be able to really help people that live near me and I could benefit directly to them. Yeah, so nice. And we didn't even mention this, but um, I mean, this conversation, it, it's just from a Jewish perspective, the idea of time management, time management and how precious time is, it, it's such an important concept, such a Jewish concept. Um, and I don't think we, 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 we either we acknowledge it enough, you know, and, and from a business perspective, I always say like, you can always make more money, but you can never make more time. Right. 100%. So, you know, in Judaism, we definitely value money. Uh, I mean, not money. We do value money. Money is important, <laughs> not for money right. itself, but we do value time. Time is really precious. Um, so this is an important conversation. Now I'd like to make more money because. Because I enjoy giving others. I enjoy giving to my family and to be able to just constantly, I'm not, making money for myself. It's really to help my family and my community. Yeah. It goes that, back to what I just said, right? It's never a, 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 an end. It really is a means to, for something much greater. Something I, which I, something I wish I had learned about money growing up is. Is that struggling with money doesn't need to be the norm and it doesn't need to be um, viewed as something that's um, only for specific people. Some people are meant to have money and some people aren't. Oh, yeah, I like that. I definitely remember hearing a lot growing up, you know, this idea of like some are born, well, it's hard to translate into English, but there was like this concept of like some are born like stars and some are born like, I don't know how you would say it, but maybe like starstruck in a really negative way, like, (laughs) you know, like some are just born with it and then some just don't have it, which is totally not a correct or even a Jewish concept. But all right, money, spiritual or physical? Uh, Both. It definitely is both, um, depending on how it's utilized, depending on how people um, utilize their money and what they spend it on and how they they view it. It could either be a source to um, increase their avodas Hashem, or it could be used as always looking for materialism. Mm-hmm. Sp- Avi, spender or saver? Um, I am more a saver. Mm-hmm. And how about your wife? Yeah, no, she's like every like the stereotypical. <laughs> She's a spender or she's a saver? She's a a spender. So interesting, right? Opposites tend to attract. So in my my family, my husband's more the saver. I'm more the spender. Although I've trained myself over the years to be um, a, I mean, I'm more of a a spender. I've trained myself to be a a saver. All right. Today, I'm most grateful for. Today, I'm most grateful, A, for this opportunity to to share value and for the opportunity to really um, get into this line of work and be able to make such a difference in people's lives because- when people are overwhelmed, it just impacts every single area of them and their family's lives. You know, before I give you the last uh, Jewish Money Matters film, the blanks, I do want to ask you if there's, um, if you could share with us like one really rewarding experience that you've had in doing this kind of work, because I'm sure there's tons, but is there something that stands to my, stands out in your mind as being really rewarding? Yeah. So, and there's definitely a bunch. Um, the one that actually was the most interesting to me was, I was working with this um, accountant who was a work from home and she had her stuff all over the house, both personal and professional. And it really cluttered pretty much all of her, all of her house, all, all different surfaces and her kitchen and her office and her living room, et cetera. And one day she told me is that when, again, we got into the process of how to sort papers and how to process things because that's part of the process and then she told me that, by the way, I want to let you know that for the first time in about six, seven months, 
I was able to sit around the table with my family and eat dinner because the counter was clear. Mm. Normally we've been going to the TV, we've sitting on the couch and just eating TV dinner that way. But I was able to really sit around and talk to my kids and really find out what's going on in their lives. So that was just a completely, uh, a completely uh, side benefit that I had never even imagined, but uh, definitely something that, that hit me as a very incredible aha moment in my work. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So cool. And finally, I'm Avi Friedman and I believe Jewish money matters because. Because Hashem wants to provide us with money when we utilize it properly. properly. Nice. Avi, tell us where we can find you, where we can connect with you, find out more about working with you, et cetera. Sure. So I'm very accessible on LinkedIn. That's where I do a lot of my content and my, my inspiration and value, et cetera. Um, just shoot me a DM and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you and we can give you advice, et cetera. As well as you can email me, avi at amanagedmind.com. Very nice. Avi Friedman, thank you so much. This was really insightful, really valuable. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks to Avi Friedman for stopping by. You can reach out to him on LinkedIn or email him at avi at amanagedmind.com to book your free strategy session. I don't know about you, but I definitely feel more productive since I had this conversation. I'm implementing the two-minute rule and I'm actually dividing my to-do list by context. Super, super life-changing. What will you be implementing? Let me know. And speaking of implementing, I want to make sure you join me this Wednesday, August 3rd at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for a live introductory Jewish Money Makeover webinar, which I will be hosting in partnership with Jewish Workshops. I will walk you through the steps for you to do a makeover. I've heard from many of you who want to do a makeover. You want to take better control and charge of your money. And especially at this time, you're just really feeling like you need to get better at managing your money. So I hear you. I I know what's going on. Come on over. We're going to go over all of that. Register for free at yaeltrush.com forward slash JW for Jewish workshops. That's yaeltrush.com forward slash JW. I hope to see you there. Have a great week.